Welcome to Pilgrim Lost. Come walk with us while we explore life in hopeful motion. Hey everybody, this is the Pilgrim Lost podcast, which is inspired by the community of Santiago, but focused on the everyday. Today's, I want to start with a little reading. El Camino de Santiago in dust and mud, sun and rain, trod by pilgrims in their thousands for more than a thousand years. And in today's conversation, we get to spend time with two of those pilgrims, which I'm very excited about. Um, we've got Justin Skizik, close. Correct. Yes, you got it. And Patrick Gray. And um, these two gentlemen are the stars of the film, I'll Push You which we've spoken about here at Pilgrim Lost many times because it's an all-time fave rave. It's a fave because it is a portal to take us back to our memories of the Camino de Santiago, but even more so, it is an inspiring living parable of two friends that have known each other literally since birth, one of which Justin, who has a debilitating illness that has caused him to lose the use of much of his body and played him in a, a wheelchair for his adult life and his inspiration to want to walk the community of Santiago and his request of his friend, his lifelong friend, Patrick, to go with him. And Patrick's response was, I'll push you. So here we are for today's podcast. Guys, how are you? I'm so thankful that you're here. Hey, well, thanks, Tony. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. Thank you. These guys are both husbands and fathers and um, active in their community. And at this point in their life, they spend their much of their time, if not all of their least work hours, inspiring other people to live lives of generosity. And um, they support a bunch of causes, travel, do inspirational speaking, and um, we get to sit and talk with them. I guess I'll start with just tell me a little bit about sort of the, the repercussions of your walk. Like, how has it affected your life? at this point uh how much time do we have <laughs> right just go Justin, go. oh man uh that's a very loaded question uh i would say i mean for me um and i probably pack and chime in or whatever he if he feels like it you know our lives have been completely changed from from two knuckleheads going on this journey <laughs> uh and, you know, going through what we went through in order to um, get to Santiago from St. Jean. So it, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's opened my eyes and ears and heart to uh, many different conversations, many aspects of life, of humanity. Uh, and it's also, you know, it's changed the way, you know, Pat and I thought we were close before, um, you know, now, you know, we work together and travel and speak and do all these things. And so there's, um, you know, our, our friendship has been deepened by it. Um, I mean, geez, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can keep going on and on and on, but it's certainly something that personally, I never really, I didn't really think about it going into the journey. I did, I wasn't expecting anything really on the back end except for that we documented it and we're going to do something with it <laughs> that was about it so mm. um yeah it's been pretty cool i mean sometimes pat and i have found ourselves in situations where like how did we get here um 
Yeah. But it's been pretty cool. Yeah. You, you, you recorded it, but I, I mean, I have a film company, like I know what it takes to get the footage you guys got. And you, you were, you were planning something you had to have been because that you got some incredible footage and that footage was in your face. I mean, they were inside your hotel rooms and following you around and the nitty gritty and putting on socks every morning and the whole nine yards. I mean, it, it was intense. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we never set out to make a documentary. The, the decision to go on the Camino was inspired by Justin's kind of idea, like, Hey, let's do this, you know? And I was naive enough to say, sure, uh, I'll push you. That sounds like a good idea. Then you get into the thick of it, of the planning. And uh, when you talk about kind of the shift that's taken place, you know, from like the post Camino impacts, the ramifications, if you will. When I was, uh, uh, before we left, I was working in, in healthcare and my boss at the time I had posed the idea to him, like, Hey, I got my buddy. He lives in a wheelchair. At that point in time, Justin was living in San Diego. Like oh. we want to do this thing. Um, I, I need six weeks off. And he's like, he needs six weeks off like, for what exactly? And so I map out the actual Camino idea and he got really excited. And what happened is that he, I mean, he kind of just, his name is Ed Castledine. Um, if you watch the film, you, you see him in there. Right. He kind of threw down the gauntlet for me. Um, and he's, he's always been someone who is, um, I mean, he's very much a mentor of mine. He doesn't mince words. He calls things like he sees them. And, and he just said, look, I'm going to do everything I can to give you six weeks off, but you have to promise me you'll do everything you can to document on film. So it was his idea. Right. And when I asked him why, he said, if you don't, you're selfish and you're irresponsible. Interesting. Yeah. And I was taken aback by that response. He said, look, there's too much hope to not share this. Right. So that's where the whole idea came from was this Ed saying, look, you, you, you got to do something with it. We don't know what. So then that led to conversations with the film company, big ideas, getting stripped down to small ideas. We went with a bare bones crew of two camera guys, a director and a, a fixer. And yeah, they were, they were everywhere. Um, there's so much footage that isn't oh, in the film. That's, I mean, very, very intimate moments um, that, you know, just they're, they're ours to hold, you know, I mean, um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're in your face for sure. So that led to the film. And as a result now, I mean, we, we travel, we speak, like you mentioned in the intro, uh, but we get to meet so many people and step right. into relationships in a way that I never appreciated prior to the Camino. The, like there's, there's instant depth that you can achieve with someone when you just open yourself up from a vulnerability Great. perspective Great. and you give them permission to do the same thing. Right. You know, as soon as you do that, they're like, oh, you're, you're trusting me with X. I'm going to trust you with Y. And now you have this kind of interesting, you know, little relational equation that occurs right. right in that moment. And it might be for five minutes. It might be for 10 minutes. It might be someone that you see off and on for the rest of your life, but they're all so beautiful. And I didn't appreciate the beauty that was, that was achievable in even the most um, simple interactions until after we got back. Yeah. One of, so one of the magic things, one of the many magical things about walking the Camino is you, there's this agreement, there's this unspoken agreement between everyone who's walking that we're all sharing a story and we, each other is sort of inherently valuable because we're sharing this story. So you can just walk up to anybody and, and start a conversation. You guys experienced it. The film documents, you know, dozens of people that, that you became 
connected to in one way or another. And I'm sure there's another 500 people that didn't make it on camera that you connected to either briefly passing on the, on the way. And could you speak to that, this sort of magical, how the Camino overcomes this, what I would argue is a lie in society that, mm -hmm. that the people who walk down my street here in Portland, Oregon, we also have a shared story, but mm -hmm. we've been told that we don't like, mm -hmm. we've been given this lie that, that we're, we're separate from one another. We're opposed to one another. And yet on the community, you experience something different. Could you just kind of speak into that and maybe a little bit about how kind of Patrick, like you already said, how you've brought that mentality back home with you, the shared mm -hmm. story idea, or this um, connected to other people, even strangers. Yeah. Um, you want to take a stab at that, Jay, or you want me to go? Go, Jay. Go ahead. I'll chime in. I'll chime in after. Okay. Let's chime in. Okay. So I think what you said, you said there, Tony, is so important is that, you know, there's this lie, but it's so pervasive. It's so, so prevalent. It's, we're bombarded with it constantly. Right. Even more so now than we were even five years ago, I think. Um, but we, we, we get this lie in, in churches. We get it from politics. We get it in social media. We get it in, in just in simple marketing. There's this us versus them mentality that we, we see every single day. And so there's just a, a natural inclination. Well, I wouldn't say it's natural, a programmed inclination. Very good. Um, that we all possess to look at why we're different before we look at why we're the same. Good. To, to look at ways where um, we can separate ourselves from someone as opposed to looking at the ways that we are actually connected through the pain, the struggle, the brokenness that we all experience. And that's what I think the Camino does is it strips away so much of the distractions, the social, emotional, mental, political, theological distractions. Pick one, right? And we're, we're thrown into a situation or we put ourselves into a situation where we, we really have three decisions. How far am I going to walk? Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? Like that's that's the the big decisions we have to make in those those days on the Camino, and as a result, yeah, you don't a even have to decide whether you're going to turn left or right. Like it tells right. you, it tells right. you it to tells turn you left to at, the, yeah. at that intersection. Turn left. They tell you, right. But when you think about that, all that stripped away, all the other stuff stripped away. There's so much space in our brains, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so much space in our brains. And our hearts, I would say, that's really where, right. where the space opens up is in our hearts and our souls. Right. For the people we meet. Right. And there, that, 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 that lie just doesn't exist on the Camino. I, yeah. I mean, I don't care what your reason for going is. It's gone. It's not the same as why the reason you're actually there when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. People because from suddenly, yeah, you connect. Different, different economic strata different skin yeah. color, sexual uh, orientation, religion. You, don't have to, you don't have to speak the same language and yeah. you, you yeah. just agree that you're together. You're yeah. together. Justin, yeah. any thoughts? Yeah, I'd probably say, you know, I think for me kind of like um, kind of taking that a step further is when we're so distracted in our daily lives um, and bombarded by messages, but also not just bombarded by messages, but kind of, you know, if you're a parent, you're having to focus on having to, you know, raise children and you're having to go to work right. and all these other things that just pull you in so many ways and while being bombarded by all of the, the noise. So by, so when, at least this is my experience um, and we've done the Camino a couple of times. So mm. Um, and it's been pretty true, I think, at least for me, that um, 
both times I've done it, um, is, uh, is that people are yearning so much for, to let go of all of that distraction. And they just crave like human, true human interaction, true human community. And, um, it really is a testament to the, um, to the world that we live in about how we're just, it's a busy, very busy mindset. And that's across the board culturally. I mean, that's just, that's not just America, that's everywhere. Um, right. And, and people are just like, by the time they get to the Camino, um, at least the people that I've met, they're just, they're yearning for that. They're yearning. Yeah. So when you meet somebody, it's so easy because everyone's kind of in the same mindset more or less whether they recognize it or not um and so when you have and then when you you know you meet somebody along the trail you know some people are willing to open up some people aren't um and that's okay mm. um how i kind of approached it was anybody who was who's pushing me in a wheelchair i just have i have two rules one you got to tell me just a little bit about yourself I don't need to know your deepest, darkest secrets, but just tell me a little bit about yourself and mm -hmm. don't kill me. <laughs> like, usually that's the two rules that I have. They're pretty simple. Um, pretty clean cut. And, you know, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I've had people that are, you know, they're behind me, pushing me. And some of the stuff that people have told me, and I'm not going to tell these stories in, right. in this format, but they, you don't know what to do with it. Right. It's some of it's so heart-wrenching and so difficult to hear that you just don't know. I don't know how to really deal with it except for just listen and just be present. So do you think, do you think that your physical vulnerability sort of enables other people to enter emotional vulnerability? I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe, uh, I think, I think just by, um, I mean, there's a level of trust, right? That's, that's established. So let's just say, you know, I meet you, Tony on the trail. We've never met before mm -hmm. and you see me and you're like, Hey, uh, do you mind if I push you for a little bit? I could easily say, no, mm -hmm. I could easily say, no, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, you know, whatever. I just take the opposite approach is like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Jump on in. Here's how you do it. And let's go. Um, because I, Personally, I just really enjoy meeting people. I mean, I, I'm naturally curious, so um, I like and to dang, hear about and dang likable, if I could say, very likable. <laughs> well, I try to be. Uh, you know, I have my moments, I have my days, of course, but um, but you know, I think once that door has been opened, and and I've learned just personally, just when I when I agree and let that door swing wide open and say, "Yep, Tony, jump on in. Let's let's do this." There's a level of trust that's being established right there. Uh, you may not recognize it, but it's being it's it's happening. So maybe that's could be a conduit for mm -hmm. um, for letting somebody you know kind of share their heart and their story with me. Um, I don't ex ever expect that out of them. I just right. just like hey, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself if you want is, to. Is that same mentality? that same posture of life, is it possible back, back in your own neighborhood at work, 
going to the store, sitting mm-hmm. in a coffee shop, going to the pub. Is it still possible? Absolutely. Yeah. No. 100%. But if, if I can interject real quick, Justin, I, I think what you just said was it's so, so important is that, yeah, your physical disability, the vulnerability itself isn't necessarily what invites someone in from an out. I, you know, I've seen these conversations happen right before right. my eyes, right? It's the fact that you are trusting someone, you're giving someone a reason, or uh, I would say a permission to trust you because right. you are trusting them with that physical piece to pushing you, right? And so every time, and I, for me anyway, every time I've stepped into a relationship, whether it's a new friend, old friend, or you know, a, a clerk at the grocery store, or a barista, or the barmaid, you know, whoever it might be, if I enter into a conversation where I'm trusting them with a little bit of who I am, man, the walls just fall down. Right. They fall down. So I just had this happen just just a few days ago at a drive-in. I was grabbing some food on the way home with my kids from um, from a, a, an evening thing, and and the gal, she was stone cold. I mean, she was just not happy, and I just. She you know, opened the, the window up and handed me my food and said, hey, you doing okay? She was like, taken back. I said, it, far be it for me to insert myself into your world, but you just seem like you're not having a good day. I just want you to know, I really appreciate the fact that you're out here working. And I just started the conversation and she's like, you know what? I'm not having a good day, but thank you so much for just, just acknowledging that. And there was just an, an instant piece of trust. And it wasn't deep. But her guard came down. And so if that can happen in a, a 25, 30 second interchange, what can happen in a five minute conversation? What can happen in a 10 minute conversation? What can happen when you meet a stranger, invite him a coffee, you sit down and you shut up and listen, you give him permission to trust you. Like, oh my gosh, amazing things happen, but it takes intention. That's the key. Mm-hmm. All right, love that. So that's the stranger. Now let's talk about the friend. Um, you know, a couple minutes ago, you guys were telling how you ended up on the Camino and the decision to film it. And Patrick, you started by saying Justin wanted to go and I was naive enough to say yes. And I almost wanted to correct you right when you said it, because there was something much deeper than naivete that was driving that decision-making. And um, the thing that people walk away from your story, be it your book or the film or hearing you speak is how much you guys really love each other it's it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming it's overwhelming to to witness loyalty and i don't know about you but when it comes to hollywood films my one of my favorite themes is loyalty when i see someone Mm -hmm. be self-giving even self-sacrificial on behalf of their friend and and especially a friend for some reason it just gets me in a film like it just moves me even more so than like family or parents or something like that um could you guys just talk about loyalty as a theme and you guys have been trafficking in it you've been talking about it so at this point you should probably be phds in loyalty so i want i want to learn <laughs> from the doctors you know uh, i mean anytime i say the 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 being that you know re- reference being naive it's it's more about the the physical journey you know that i you know it's, it's, it's kind of said in jest but i i appreciate the correction because people have have asked us many times like justin hey why would you like they, they almost feel like he's 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 asking an inappropriate question of me like it's an unfair question right right Good. um but then or, they or or me, selfish like, motivated the, yeah. the motivation oh, yeah. is selfish yeah yeah and what they don't understand and what what really kind of 
pains me that people don't have this because I do think it's, everyone has a, a, the capacity to achieve this. It's just, it takes a remarkable amount of work is we have so many, so much history. Like the loyalty isn't something that just happens. Um, I think some people might be more wired for it than others. Um, just like some people are more wired for adventure than others. Um, but the, I mean, we, we have a lifetime of shared experiences, experiences we intentionally created, right? We figure out the similar interests. We, we, we have similar interests in music. We don't see eye to eye on all the politics. We don't see eye to eye on theology. Um, it, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're similar, but we have our rubs. We have our rubs and we're working together, but we've made the utmost priority is those shared experiences. It's kind of like the best way I describe it is like when you have like a, you think about a, a rope, right? You start peeling a rope back and then it goes to the little cords, start those cords back, they have little threads. And every experience we have with someone, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a child, if we treat them, we nurture those experiences, it's a little thread. And, you know, and it, it, it might be, bunch of threads around music, a bunch of threads around sports, a bunch of threads around some type of experience or adventure or travel, but they start to weave together and they have all these connection points. And pretty soon you have a cable that, that is exists of all these shared experiences that are grounded in intention. And for me, that, that, that is what drives so much of our loyalty to one another, drives our loyalty to our wives is we have cultivated something sacred. And one of the best ways to protect what is sacred is to be loyal to those that are a part of it. The second that you, you fracture that loyalty, you step away from that loyalty, that, that, that those things that connect you are, are at risk. Um, and why would I want to do that? You know? And so when someone asks that question, why would you, why would you say yes? Like, I'll push you really? Like, for me, there's no other response. There was literally no other, no other thing I would say other than, Hell yeah, let's do this. I'm in. It's important to you. It's important to me. That's the, and and that loyalty piece. It it exists because of that history, because of of all those things. Because I know in a heartbeat, Justin would do anything to do the same thing for me. Like that would be the Absolutely. greatest gift I could give him. Does loyalty have to come with reciprocity? The the knowledge of reciprocity. No, I don't I mean, think. Is so. it required? Yeah. I mean, you, your response was, well, I know you do the same thing for me, but uh, I think there's a lot of pretty profound stories in human history and spiritual history. Well, I think, Tony, I think you might be asking the wrong question. I think the question Ooh. that I would ask is, how much do you love someone? Mm -hmm. Because I love Patrick like a brother. So, mm -hmm. he, I mean, he, he makes me a better man. He makes me a better husband. He calls me, not afraid to call me out of my crap. Mm -hmm. And you know, that comes with loving him enough to know that he's, I give him permission to do that. So um, it's not a requirement, you know, a friendship or a relationship, if it's a two-way street. So I think a two-way street, you know, if, if Pat was always giving to me and I always just took, took, you know, took everything and never gave back to him, never poured back into him and supported him, then that's not a healthy relationship so and that's not a true that's not how love works mm -hmm. so um i don't look at it for me personally i don't look at it as it requires rep you know or like it's you know 
loyalty requires what how do you say it? Uh, reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yes. You know, I don't look at it um, that way. I look at it more as like, well, how much do I love my brother? Right. So, and then I'll do anything yeah. for that. Yeah. So it's the tit for tat mentality. Yeah. Well, he did this, so I should do this versus versus I just want to. That's and the 50, that's the 50-50 mentality versus the 100-100 mentality. Ex- right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's I I want to do things for other people when other people do things for me, not out of of debt, not out of of even gratitude is out of I want them to know how much I love them. The motivation is yeah. so critical. Mm-hmm. And just, it, I just, I just want to put a finer point on one thing that Justin yeah. said a minute ago. Justin, when you, when you called Patrick or talked to Patrick and said, I just watched Rick Steves, blah, 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 community Santiago. I want you to go with me in that statement. You were asking him to leave work for six weeks, to give up income, to spend thousands of dollars, to be away from his family, to risk physical injury on a profound level struggle across Spain. Was that a selfish thing for you to ask him to do? No. I think what I was asking Pat to do was let's go have fun. <laughs> Patrick was <a> selfish. <laughs> had nothing to do. Fun and fun might come with suffering and right. the figuring out how to fix, you know, figure out how to fix a broken wheel, which we never knew like that was even in our future that's my um, that is that is the nightmare of your film on so, day yeah, two I mean, awful dude it was so, of course, so I mean, bad but you know what like what a better way to have an experience with a brother a friend to go out and like and people will i think have a hard time believing this um still to this day is we had a lot of fun oh so it was cool. fun man it was fun almost every single day i mean there's a couple moments where pissed off at certain things but we are never angry at one another we're always just Whoa. angry at the moment so never or something that never was one moment of blow up we had not on the back. trail i mean before yeah. and after absolutely yeah, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> yeah we have disagreements of sure. course we do. but yeah. when i was in that moment it's easy it's a very it's a quick scapegoat for somebody to automatically draw the line and say man justin you are selfish to ask patrick to do this right to suffer we didn't know we were going to suffer we didn't know that we were going to have to deal with what we had to go through and mud and craziness and and all of that but what i was really asking him was hey man you want to go have some fun and he's like yes let's go have some fun I mean, that's basically the right. depth of the, right. of the conversation. Yeah, and let's like, we, let's... we already know, because we already know, like we've had those, you know, Patrick's talking about these threads that we've had in our yeah. friendship and experiences we've had. You know, we've traveled Europe with our wives and there was moments with that, that we've been through already. Right. So there was like, um, when I asked him, it was like, all right, man, let's go do this. And let's just give it a shot. And that, and, you know, and he knows, and I know that he would, you know, I knew that he would say yes. I would also, I was, I would respect him if he said no as well. I mean, I wouldn't be angry at him. I wouldn't be, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Maybe it's not the right thing or whatever. But, um, but what he was really saying was, let's go have another cool adventure and let's figure it out. 
-hmm. And there's a lot of fun and hard things that are in front of us that we have no idea what we're going to be dealing with, but at least we're going to try it. We're going to do it together. So that's okay, how right. I interpret it. Well, I love it. And I'm not done. I'm, I want to actually, I want to stay right on this topic, but before, before I ask my next question, can you guys tell us a little bit about the fundraiser you're doing this month? I just want to do it now. I don't want to leave it to the end of the podcast. So people have a chance yeah. to hear about it. Can yeah. you guys just, can we just do a quick little like, theme break yeah. in the middle and quick. talk about that so we have uh we partner with the muscular dystrophy association awesome. so um on a very specific front uh so past two years COVID has shut down um you know all the uh, everything you know in so many different ways but a big part of the mda or the muscular dystrophy association mda for short is they do what are called mda camps for kids who are affected by these these neuromuscular diseases. So they can go out and they, they can rock climb, they can go kayaking, they can you do crafts, they can do team sports, they can Camps. engage in a lot of things that, you know, they wouldn't be able to unless there was a very specific place to go that has the right staff, the right equipment, the medical support, all those kind of things. So the MDA has done that for years and years and years. In the past two, uh, past two years, it's been um, you know, all virtual. And so this year, kids are going back. And it costs about $2,000 per kid to send a kid, right? Uh, um, no families have to pay for this. It's all done through fundraising. And so we thought, okay, we travel 500 miles across Spain. Let's see if we can raise enough money to send 500 kids to camp. It's a million dollars. It's nuts. It's a huge monumental goal. It's, it's crazy, but that's what we're doing. So we're using our film as a vehicle for people to have a family movie night. They can rent the film. Share awesome. it with their family, whoever else, and then portion of the proceeds from that go to the MDA. All fundraising components go to the MDA, and we're awesome. doing our damnedest to send as many kids as possible to camp so they can experience life that they deserve. Yeah. So it starts the 20th of January, goes through the 30th of January. So 10 day window, and people can rent the film and help support this awesome cause. And uh, the MDA, just as a quick side note, has always been. You know, the disease that I have uh, is called multifocal acquired motor axonopathy. Uh, it's called MAMA for short, M-A-M-A. -M -A, and, um, and the disease that I have falls underneath this umbrella. So the MDA has always been in, has been in my So if you, if anybody, since I was first done. Yeah. If anybody wants to learn more, you can go to I'll push you.com slash MDA. Correct. You can learn more about what you guys are doing. You can give directly there. You can rent the movie through there. I own the movie. I've owned the movie for years. I've seen it half a dozen times. I might buy it again. Um, uh, so I, just, I really just want to support you guys and super excited about it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. We got ticket giveaways and all sorts of things or, or um, not ticket giveaways, giveaways we're going to be doing um, and some other things to help incentivize and, and share the word and what we're doing. So that's it. Quick, quick, uh, quick intermission break. <laughs> awesome. So um, back to, back to what we're talking about. There's, there's this arc that I love in the film and I won't ruin the film for everybody, but there's this one arc that I just want to touch on a little bit. In the first 45 minutes of the film, Justin, there's at least three really sort of intimate moments. Usually you're on the trail where you just confess that, you're struggling with how much everyone's how that other people have to give so much for you to be able to go on this. You're struggling, you're struggling with sort of needing people. I'm not sure what the right terminology is. 
it's really powerful and people tell you not to and um it's it's a it's a powerful exchange but then this thing happens where it's about halfway through the film maybe maybe two-thirds and there's an elderly gentleman from san diego i can't remember his name off the top of my head ex-military or something there's a john. pull aside and he says john he's john he says patrick the thing with patrick is he doesn't like to ask for help something along those lines and suddenly your struggles kind of come together in this really beautiful overlap of this this process i just wanted to it's it's the same thing we we're just talking about but the the how human it is to be able to accept care comfort from another person even a stranger could you guys just talk to that for a minute would you mind sure uh well it's it's a it's a loaded i mean it's kind of a loaded topic but um certainly the when i've I, i've been dealing and i'm trying to formulate my thoughts here i you know when i have a disease that i'm require it requires uh just my life uh people helping me every aspect of pretty much of every day. I mean, my wife is my primary caregiver. You know, she gets helps get me up out of bed in the morning and clothes on and, you know, showering and bathroom and all these things and helps, you know, she feeds me, my kids help do that in certain ways. Um, you know, Pat has stepped into that role uh years back he, he he he's done that so he's been doing that for a while every time we travel i mean he's my caregiver so um you know that's a whole another level of our friendship that we haven't even scratched talking about but um but there's in there how i view in the film uh you just you're dealing with so many emotions or at least i was of you know, I knew go, going into it that I was, we were going to acquire a lot of help. I mean, I knew you just, it's inevitable because you just going over the Pyrenees and going over just 500 miles, you know, that's, it's unfair, even though Patrick raised his hand and said, yeah, man, let's go do this. Um, it's unfair to put him in that position to just do it solo. It would be impossible. Um, so Pat can speak about his side of the story but you know what i what i've realized in my own life is um is when you allow someone to help you move through life and be a part of the good parts of your life but also the crappy times like the struggles and the hard time things that you have to deal with um is when you open that door talking about opening that door again is I found that's where love can real that can for that's where it can flourish. It's where it can humanity can collide and our journeys can collide with one another. But many of us are so hesitant to let people into our own crap that you just you put up walls and you 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 know slam the door shut every anytime somebody says, "Can I come over and?" help you or can help you with certain things because you don't want to appear weak or you don't want to appear, you know, too vulnerable because, you know, people, they're going to think of you in a certain way, or even you don't want to be as asking for help. You don't want to feel like you're a burden upon other people. Um, I reference that in the film as well as being a burden. And it's, it's a very difficult thing to navigate through 
But what I've realized on the on throughout my life is that the more that I practice people coming in to my life and helping me where I need to be helped is it brings me closer to those people. Um, but also it, it helps me, helps me grow, helps them grow. Um, not to say that doesn't come with embarrassment or frustration or anger sometimes because I have to, I have to feel like I have to have people help me on certain things, but it's, um, it truly is a, a gift you can give to somebody to let them into your life and help you where, when you need to be, when you're really struggling with something. And I've met in my own personal life, so many people that just, you know, what I call go into the cave. Like they just, Oh, I'm in, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with divorce right now, or I'm dealing with a kid that's really tough, or I'm dealing with a job situation and they don't tell anyone and they just harbor that mm-hmm. and they don't let anybody into their, you know, to let them let anybody know that they're going through it. And it's hard, it's hard for me to fathom that now because I've been on the other end of the spectrum so long that I'm like, why wouldn't you tell anybody? Because why wouldn't you want to have people surround you and love you and support you? It's just, it's counterintuitive to me mm-hmm. to, to think that way. But um, I, I'm trying to make sense of, of you know, I'm trying to be clear in my answer. <laughs> maybe I am, maybe I'm not, I don't know. But, um, but it's, it really is this, just, just this joy that you can mm-hmm. give to somebody because we're all willing to want to help one another, but it's, it takes two to tango, right? You have to, the other person has to be willing to let you in. Right. Um, and I could tell you, I mean, well, I mean, I can remember the first time I asked, had to, I was in California living there and my wife needed a much needed break. And I called Pat and I said, can you come down for the weekend to give my wife a week off or a weekend off so she can get a breather. But at that point it was, he, Pat has never showered me. He's never helped me in the bathroom. Never. I mean, that was talking about true like vulnerability in my most vulnerable state I could be in. And Pat came down and I'll never forget that weekend. It was, you know, it was like, <laughs> okay, we're going to figure this out. And we laughed wow. a lot and we tried to figure, you know, it's wow. like, sometimes you just kind of laugh at the situation, but uh, you know, he came in, you know, and just raised his hand said, Oh yeah, I'll come down, I'll take care of you, whatever. And we'll get it done. And, you know, <laughs> he showered me, helped me go to the bathroom. And, you know, that's like talking about being in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, do you uh, want to talk to this idea of receiving? I mean, you're good at giving. We see that on screen. Yeah. Historically, I've not been the best at receiving. Uh, I would say that this journey uh, kind of reprogrammed me to a certain degree. Uh, and watching Justin, you know, I mean, especially once the the disease really, really took hold of his upper body, that's when when I started to have a greater appreciation for that that receiving. Um, and I could see, I, I saw the impact. I saw the the outcome. I saw how it affected the people, but it just wasn't really 
it, I, I, it was head knowledge, but it wasn't heart knowledge at that point. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then with the Camino, um, I would say that where it hit me the, the hardest is on Osborough was when we got to a point where some pilgrims had kind of coordinated and they, there were a bunch more people ready to help us than we ever anticipated. And I wound up at the back of the pack. I wasn't pushing the chair. I couldn't keep up. My legs were just shot. My body was calves were shot. They were destroyed. Yeah. We we, was talking with a, with a physician not too long ago. And we think that I actually have a chronic, um, chronic use compartment syndrome um, in my right calf. And that's what was giving me issue. Uh, It still gives me issue to to this day. You got, you got to power through it, but it's, it's awful. Um, And at one point on that, that march up Osobro, I had no pack. I had no water bottle. I, hadn't, I wasn't carrying, the, carrying anything. I wasn't pushing the chair. I was, I was stripped down to just my shirt, my shorts, and my shoes. And it was, ooh, um, it was a very emotional day hmm. because I saw this human symphony. People gather around Justin, you know, and he had opened himself up, accepted this help. And it, it was like a wave of, of, okay, I finally get it now. This idea that, that there's nothing, anyone, anyone who's listening right now, if you think about the things you're most proud of, you didn't do them on your own. I would challenge every single person I ever meet, tell me the thing you're most proud of. And it's going to be because there were people at your side, mentors, educators, friends, coaches, whatever it might be, someone got to you that point. And I hadn't really appreciated that, that mentality, but then here I am watching these 17 people do what I can't do. And it's like, this is where the magic lies. This is where the beauty is, is when you let people into whatever struggle you're dealing with, whether it's chosen or it's thrust upon you, doesn't matter. When you let people in, you're able to accomplish so much more than you ever could on your own. And then I started thinking about how many things have I not achieved because I haven't let people in. Right. Right. How many things have I not experienced? Like that, that vulnerability piece, that it's, it's so much more than just this help. What, what, what struck me after we got back as we kind of thought about things was when you're vulnerable enough to let someone into whatever it is, in this case, the Camino, like I discovered so much about myself, about what I was interested in, my capabilities, because Justin was open to me helping him on something I probably wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And so every time we're vulnerable with another individual, I think as a business leader, you know, when you, your, your employees, whatever it might be, when you trust them with something, you're giving them a gift of not only helping you and having this relationship just you know, be forged to become stronger, but you're also giving them an opportunity to learn and grow and, and about, you know, like learn more about themselves. And that's, the, that's that, that communal aspect. There's so many layers to it. There's that helping piece, but then there's that growth piece, that learning piece, the discovery piece, the curiosity piece. And none of those can exist if we live isolated. They can't exist if we're only helping and never receiving. Right. right. And that just, it sounds so simple, but it blew my mind. And then as we start to have conversations with so many people that, that are like, hey, I want a friendship like you have. It's such a foreign concept to so many mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It's completely... Like, it's, it's not like it's like, oh, I thought about that. It's brand new information. Right. Right. And then mm-hmm. it blows my mind. But then I think yeah. back to seven years ago, it was brand new information. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that human beings are primarily communal creatures. 
Yes. We are secondarily individuals. We are primarily communal. So we, when we only live within an individualistic construct, we're actually living a subhuman experience. So when we enter into intimacy with the other, where the thing, that's, the thing that separates us from the other, that the, the barriers between us break down and we begin to become fuzzy on the edges. So we sort of lose one another, ourselves and one another, that we actually begin to experience true humanity. And that's why I think that I don't I think that's why the magic happens inside of people and why they why they're so drawn to it. Okay, done with the sermon. Um, one last one last question I'd love to have both of you answer. This idea of being a pilgrim, not going on the Camino, but being a pilgrim. Is there anything you have not had a chance to say that you would like to say? Mm. That's tough because we've said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I would say is thinking about back to the beginning of our time together, we kind of, you know, the, you talked about the, the, um, the ramifications, right? Uh, what's the, what's the long-term kind of effects of this, this journey? And there's, I don't know how to articulate this without too many words. So I'm gonna try to synthesize this, but we talked a lot about brokenness, really. We talked about mm -hmm. struggle. We talked about being vulnerable. And when you talk about, you, know, you just brought up that communal aspect we're communal creatures. Um, it's so interesting to me that the thing that we wanna hide from people the most is the thing that connects us to other people the most. And it's our brokenness. Mm -hmm. Like insert addiction, injury, struggle, death, loss. Like those, those are the things that, that everyone experiences in some way, shape or form. And yet we, as a, as a culture anyway, especially I think U.S. culture, we like to hide those things. We don't want to appear weak. Yet within those moments of brokenness, if we share those stories, we talk about those things, we, we are giving permission for someone else to do the same. But we're letting someone else know they're not alone. Like that is profound. And it's so critical that we, we live in a way that we can do that. I'm getting emotional here. Um, but the long-term like impacts is that I've had so many people come up, whether it's been about my addiction when I was younger to pornography, my struggles, you know, with, with whatever it might be, mm -hmm. Justin's illness, like, thank you. I thought I was alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would say the, for me, the single most important piece about being a pilgrim, having that mentality is understanding that our story, not Justin and I's, but every person's story needs to be told, needs to be lived out and shared in a way that someone else knows to not alone. Thanks buddy. Justin. I mean, I don't know how much to, I can add to that. Um, you know, very well put, Pat. Um, and I can definitely, definitely echo that. If I can encourage anybody who's listening to end the next time you feel like you need help, first say it, express it verbally out loud to those who you trust. And B, say yes to accepting that hmm. and just see where that goes. Um, it's like a one, two, 
prescription for seeing, you know, letting that vulnerability play out in your life and see where it goes. Um, and I can tell you being on the, the, the flip side of that coin um, down the road a little bit that the more that you practice that, amazing things happen. Mm. Amazing conversations happen. Mm. Um, relationships get forged. It's, it's remarkable how much we hold on to the hard stuff in our life when all you need to do is let it go. Yeah. Um, and it's scary. I mean, I could tell you, you know, when we wrote our book as well, I'll push you and the movie, like <laughs> talk about some hard things, really hard things. And, um, and I'll tell one quick anecdote here uh, at the very end is I'll never forget this day. I mean, I'm actually, I'm in my office right now. Pat was sitting right next to me and our publisher. So um, a period of my life, I went through a very, very, very dark period, um, suicidal thoughts and um, those kind of things. Yeah. And I've never really shared, I mean, I've shared that with Patrick. I've shared that with some, some, you know, private circles, but in a public forum, like a movie and a book, like where thousands and thousands of people are going to be reading that. Um, I'll never forget the day when Pat was sitting here in my office with me and uh, our publisher came back to us and said, on this topic and this part of the book, we want to know how you would have done it. <clears throat> wow. How would you, if you were to kill yourself, how would you? Have <clears throat> and I'm like, I've never shared that with anyone, mm. period. Like not Pat, not my wife, nobody. And now I'm asked to put it in a book where it's out for the world to read. And I'll never forget the conversation that Pat and I had where he's sitting next to me and he's like, what do you want to do? And, um, and we made a, a pact with one another going into this movie and going into this into the book as well, that we're not going to sugarcoat things. We're not going to um, gloss over the things in our lives. And as much as I don't want to talk about it, we need to talk about it. And, um, and I'll give Pat a lot of credit here. He kind of guided me through the conversation and, and we talked about it and he, he helped me put it in a way that was eloquently, you know, way better than how I would have been able to write it, but he helped me um, craft it in a way that was very clear, hmm. but not, I don't know what you call it gr like grotesquely done or whatever just you know it didn't taste voyeuristic so, i was scared out of my mind hmm. like oh my gosh like what are people going to think or whatever and i'm embarrassed or you know i have hmm. these very hard hard conversation that we had but i'm also very glad that i did um because i've had people come up to me and say you know, I've been there and I've been thinking, I, you know, I've, I've been in those, in those shoes before and, and, you know, thanking me for, for putting those words 
on paper. You know, we talk about it in in the movie as well, not as in depth, but it's covered. No, oh, yeah. And it's embarrassing. It's difficult to even get the words out. Um, it's difficult to go back to those times where I didn't want to go back to, but it just has opened up the opportunity for relationships to forge and for mm. things to be, um, you know, to let people know that they're not alone. Like Pat said, like, so good. It's hard, but the more that we let it go, the more it's where love can flourish and where healing can help can happen. Love it. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, that was Justin Skizuk and Patrick Gray spending this time. Guys, I love it. I'll push you.com. I'll push you.com slash MDA for their uh, fundraiser. Just want to say, guys, I love your story so much. I, I mean, I, uh, I, when I try and tell people that you're coming on the podcast, I try and explain. I've got these guys coming. Let me tell you a little about them. I can't get through it without crying because I just, the, uh, you know, part of it's love of the community, but really it's, 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 I've just been really touched by your relationship and the ways that you guys have allowed yourself to grow through vulnerability. You've allowed the divine to enter into your story through your vulnerability and your loyalty to one another. And those things are just, those are my favorite themes. And I just want to say, thank you. Hey, thanks Tony. Appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate Everybody, this is Pilgrim Lost. Thanks so much. Thank you for walking with us. To stay connected, visit us at pilgrimlost.com. Please comment, share, and respond.